0: Welcome to another episode. This week, I've got Eric Miller on Skype all the way from Los Angeles. When it comes to books, Eric is an author, editor, and a proud member of the Horror Writers Association. He's also been transportation coordinator for lots of really big movies like Taken, Taken 2, and Taken 3. This probably inspired 18 Wheels of Horror, which is a horror story anthology based around trucking and truckers. And it's published by his publishing house, Big Time Books. So there's no point in waiting around. Let's hit the road with Eric.
1: The main audience for the book is truckers, but it's also for horror fans. You do not have to be a hardcore trucker and a gearhead to understand and love the stories. I went out of my way to make each story that happens somewhere in the trucking world, but they're also just great, terrific stories and horror stories in that. So the the average horror fan can read it and learn a little bit about trucking and have some great stories. And truckers are loving it and picking it up too. And um, I'm a commercial driver myself. I work in the movie industry. Among other things, I work in the movie industry in the transportation department. So I don't ever sell myself as a hardcore long haul trucker that, uh, you know, rides the roads 24-7. But I do live and work on a daily basis with truckers from all walks of life. So uh, I did go out of my way to try and make as much of the trucking stuff accurate in this book. But as I say, I want people who aren't truckers as well as just casual readers and casual horror fans to read it and understand, get a little bit of the taste. But they're not going to come in here and read a, uh, uh, as I say, a driver's manual for a freight liner truck. It's stories first, characters first, horror first. And yes, they all happen to take place in the truck. But it's the same audience. If you like Smokey and the Bandit on the comedy side, you would like this book because it's it's that kind of a that's how far away deep we go into trucking.
0: This niche, if you want to call it that, isn't very big. There's really not a huge amount of trucker horror genre. Which is a little unusual if you think about it because of the very lonely kind of vulnerable situation these truckers also find themselves in.
1: Yeah, you're correct. It lends itself to horror very much because trucking is a long, hard, lonely job. Uh, There are teams that go out. A lot of husbands and wives go out and partners and friends. But most of the millions of truckers are out there. It's a person in a truck alone. You basically live in your truck when you do long haul. And you work strange hours. You spend what time off you do get is spent at a truck stop or in the back of your truck. And you kind of enter this little bubble world that's part of everything we do and critical to every bit of our life and just delivering everything that we need. But at the same time, they exist in this other world. And it's ripe full of characters of all different walks of life people from all ages. And one thing truckers can do very well is tell stories. And there's plenty of ghost stories out there. There's plenty of supernatural stories around. And some of those are referenced in this book, not all of those. There's probably the most famous trucking story of all is called the black dog story, which uh, every trucker will see a black dog. And then shortly later, something else bad will happen. Uh, I didn't wind up uh, when I put out the call for stories. I was uh, mildly surprised that I didn't see a single black dog story come in, but that might be in the sequel when we do that down the line.
0: The first one that really struck me as really kind of interesting was uh, Happy Joe's Rest Stop. It was like Trucker Story meets Doctor Who or something.
1: Yeah, that one actually won the Bram Stoker Award this year for superior achievement in short fiction. Uh, I was very proud of that. John Palisano, who's uh, not only the vice president of the Horror Writers Association, but a terrific writer and become very good friend over the past few years. So I was really thrilled to have him put a story in the book And then when, of course, when I read it, the first thing it came across was, uh, something that I kind of strive for when I'm picking stories and what I'm looking for in any of the anthologies, but this one as well was that it was different. It wasn't just about a trucker sitting behind the wheel and listening to the CB of which there's a few terrific stories like that in the book. But happy Joe's rest stop is about a kid who's on the road with his father and the dad is outside at the truck stop pumps, filling up the truck. The kid goes inside to get, uh, to get a happy treat. And chaos starts happening. Monsters attack and the world outside the truck stop disappears and then holes through dimensions and strange monsters come and start eating people. And this poor kid is basically, where's my dad? Where's my dad? And then realizes dad may not be coming back and I've got to man up and figure out how to survive if I ever want to see him again. And it goes in so many different directions. Um, and the one thing that really struck me is it was very, uh, and I say this uh, with all uh, extreme respect, and uh, I, it struck me as being very Stephen King-esque, both in the storytelling but in the writing style, and very much that, as I told John – uh, that it was about something. It was about a father and a son or a son and a father. And it was about heart. It was about a kid looking for his dad. And ultimately the kid to survive has to emulate what his smart father would do. What would dad do here? And, uh, especially on father's day right now, that becomes, you know, it's very poignant where you get to the point where a real good story is about people that we know and things we can relate to. And John really pulled that off. And I think that's why it won the Bram Stoker award and why, and why you like it as well.
0: Did you ever have any creepy situations going on uh, to yourself?
1: Well, I actually have a story in the book uh, called Siren um, that it's based upon. um, Let's just say I didn't run into a monster out in the desert, but one time I was driving a truck through the I believe it was the West Texas desert, which you've been on. There's 500 miles of absolutely nothing. And when you're in the middle of the night the old trucking trope of the tires singing and i remember hearing that and kind of the genesis of that story came to me many years ago as i was doing one of those things one of those halls and so i wrote the story and i managed to weave it in i took the ancient greek myth of a siren and i melded that with the singing tires of a truck so instead of luring sailors to their doom it's out on the roads of west texas luring truckers to their doom and uh if uh, if this m- creature manages to stop, uh, wreck the truck, then she can feast upon uh, what's left of the driver. So that was the genesis of my particular story. And uh, as I was saying earlier, uh, I am a trucker, but I'm not a long haul trucker. I work in the movie business uh, as a transportation coordinator um, and as a driver at times. What we do is completely different than what regular truckers do. Uh, At times we do go cross country with big loads, just like they do. But more often than not, we get to sleep in our own bed or a hotel the vast majority of truckers are out there nonstop, on the road, doing long distances and maybe get home to the family once a week, sometimes once a month, if that. So it's a, uh, what I do, uh, like I say, I don't like to claim that I'm a hardcore trucker like some of the people out there that do it. So those are my real fans, the men and women that just jump on the road and live in that truck and are away from their family and friends. And that's a common theme in a lot of these stories. Uh, one, one theme that does pop up throughout 18 Wheels of Horror is um generally from the male standpoint but the man who has lost his wife and family uh it and it's very real because you do spend so many hours and days away from the family that it's very hard to keep relationships together and of course uh, in our world in the horror world that's ripe for character development and for ghosts and monsters and deep dark thoughts in the middle of the night and strange happenings so You pull uh, good writers, uh, just pull from the reality of the tragedies that happen in people's life and make great stories out of it. And so while it's sad that people do lose their family, we got three or four really good stories on that same theme in the book.
0: So my friend's father, he drove my friend and I from uh, Saskatchewan to Montreal, where we went to university one summer. And uh, this was like a two day long straight drive. And he decided to just he just drove the whole way. Like without stopping, it was terribly unsafe. Uh, he was like smoke chain, just chain smoking. Like when we got to where we were going, we we smelt like uh like a like a tobacco, like a basically a, an ashtray. And I, I just remember he's just guzzling coffee and smoking. So we were going through, I think it was Wisconsin, and uh, I was getting tired. He's like, stay up, and I'm like, why? And he's like, well, if you see a deer, you need to tell me because if we run into a deer, it'll kill us. It was just this tiny little road, and there were no lights, and the you know the sides of the road just sort of closed in on me, you know, like like the the trees, you know, there were trees there, but it was just dark, like everything was just dark, dark. After about twenty four hours of driving, it it felt like there was no such thing as time, you know. I only had a a small uh, a taste of it, but I think people maybe who are on tour, who are drive long distance or something. It's like, you know, when you're a normal person, quote, unquote, it's like, we got to go to bed for 10 because you got to wake up the next morning to go to work. Yada, yada. or You're watching your television shows or whatever. But after 24 hours of driving on the road, it it just it was so quiet. And it was three o'clock in the morning in northern Wisconsin. And it felt like I had just fallen off the planet, and that nobody else in the human race was in existence except for this guy and my friend in the car. That's the way it felt.
1: That's an awesome description, and you probably just did as good as any of the writers in the book do, or I could ever do, because you do go into a weird bubble, and like you're describing, especially at night, you're in the middle of nowhere, and your whole world narrows down to what's in the headlights right in front of you and uh, I love uh, Ray Garten uh, the terrific Grand Master of Horror writer who does the does the opening story in this book uh, Ray says it in the story he calls the uh, the dotted lines on the road missiles coming at the truck and as you're driving at the night it really does you start imagining things like that but you Some truckers, a lot of people don't realize this, is there's the truck stop world where a lot of the truckers stop and you're in that little particular world and bubble is your existence because when you're in a truck, you can't really, other than a Walmart or some place like that that has a big parking lot, you generally stay to the larger roads and the terminals and places that are truck friendly. But a lot of the larger trucking companies actually have private terminals. So if you can imagine, it's almost like being in the military to a certain extent, that you you're out on the public road you go to your private terminal you go to your private truck stop and you can spend weeks or months in in this weird bubble of where you're not out in the real world at all you're in your own little world it, it, I kind of uh, summed it up one time like being in Vegas you go to Vegas and you can realize that four days later, you haven't been outside. You've been in this strange ecosystem, which is designed for it, of course, psychologically and physically and logistically, um, just like these truck terminals and, and that whole feeder system of roads and, and stops and things. And you, you're you're disconnected from the real world. And not to mention that you're completely alone out there a lot of times. And your, your means of communication, I mean, thank goodness for uh, cell phones these days and A lot of truckers have the internet on the road, and there are plenty of ways of uh, communicating. Uh, The CB is not quite as uh, prevalent as it used to be, but a lot of people do still use it. But um, you are pretty much in that in another strange, different world, and it's going on. I think the numbers are there's two and a half or three million long-haul truckers in America alone bringing every single thing that you and I use on a daily basis. We would not have civilization without it. And they're right out going down the freeway, and we don't even really recognize it. Just becomes the trucks and the drivers just become a blur of something of the landscape. And that's really that's two or three million people living this strange existence. So, and that's my audience. That's who I wanted to get to, honestly. That's the world that, uh, there wasn't a lot of trucking fiction out there at all, and I, as I'm in that world, and I talk to these people, and I realize I kind of wanted to do something to help entertain them and uh, something they could relate to and put it in their world. And you know, it's uh, trucking movies are few and far between. We all know Duel, we all know Maximum Overdrive, and uh, The Hitcher, which is really not a trucking story, even though trucks are prevalent in the in the movie. But they they do tend to be more uh, trucking horror movies and genre movies than there are genre fiction.
2: Hi, I'm Kevin. And I'm Adam. Hey, Adam, remember when you and I used to just sit on the couch, watch the Transformers cartoon, and play the Transformers drinking game? Yeah, those were the good old days. What do you mean? That's exactly what we do on our weekly podcast, Transformers Cybertronological. We also have a lot of fun with it, with our um, worst lines, best lines, and crazy insane moments. We've also been known to kind of create some of our own characters from stuff on the show. You know, like Incredible Ironhide. Or how I think Optimus Prime's trailer is sad, which is why we call him Sad Trailer. Hey guys, don't forget about me. Or, or, what's what's that really, really good character? I think you're talking about the Autobot plane, Power Glide. So, Adam, is this just a podcast where you and I make silly voices the whole time? Of course. I mean, no, it's not. No. So head on over to Cybertronological.com and subscribe today. That's Cybertronological.com, and you can listen to us review an episode of the Transformers in chronological order week
0: by week. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, what brought you into horror writing? Um, like, uh, did you, uh, when you were growing up as a kid, did you read much horror literature or did you watch many horror films? What was your inspiration?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, um, I think I was called in to task in the uh, fourth grade or something in a writing assignment where we were supposed to write a short story. And my story was about a bloodstained executioner's block uh, that was haunted and <laughs> And talking to the executioner. I think my parents were might have been called into a conference there. But no, I grew up watching horror films. I grew up reading horror books. Uh, From the time I could read, I was always attracted to the genre. Um, I grew up in and around the Midwest, uh, mostly in Indiana. And uh, anyone from Indiana or from the Midwest will remember that on Saturday nights, and I believe it was Channel 4, we had the greatest horror movie host ever, a man named Sammy Terry. Um, everybody, you know, there's Finn Gooley now, which we love, and there's all the great horror hosts from around the country, which some, you know, some still exist. But the great thing about Sammy Terry was as goofy as the movies were and as cheesy as his set and his makeup were. Sammy Terry took it deadly seriously. He did not make a joke out of it He talked to his rubber spider George, but he had a real conversation with George and and we all again Anybody in Indiana of a certain age set will uh, will grow up and will be going yeah Sammy Terry was the best ever so that was my early uh, between kung-fu movies uh, uh, Kung-fu theater after Sammy Terry or before I don't remember which the order was but watching those great old horror movies And then of course we all picked up Stephen King and uh, I started reading Robert McCammon at an early age And uh, just all the so many great, terrific horror writers that I loved. Uh, I still have my original copy of The Haunting of Hell House. I just got it off the shelf earlier today. Um, So that's where I got my basis from, both in the literature and also in the movies. Years later, lo and behold, I wound up uh, coming to Hollywood and fulfilling another dream, which was to work in the movie industry. And uh, I fell in with a bunch of uh, independent, low-budget horror filmmakers And ended up working on and writing uh, quite a few horror films. So I've splattered a lot of blood in a lot of different places, both on the page and fake blood in reality. And so I've spent a large part of my career working in and around horror people. And I love horror people. Um, We talk about it a lot inside the industry, but also outside is you will never meet, strangely enough, you will never meet a more helpful, friendly, wonderful, interesting bunch of people than horror people. We don't cut people's heads off. We don't abuse people in general. It's just a great, terrific, helpful, friendly people. And if you didn't know what the horror writers did for a living, You'd, you wouldn't guess in a million years. You'd think that we write greeting cards or something. And then you actually meet the horror people and read their stuff. And yeah, for instance, Jack Ketchum is one of the most supportive, nice guys ever. Another person I grew up uh, just worshipping and loving. And you read a Jack Ketchum book and holy crap, this is the most hyper-violent, insane stuff you could ever imagine in the entire world. And most of his books are drawn from uh, more or less from true events fictionalized versions of true events but then you meet the guy and he's just this nice normal wonderful person so it's it's this wonderful dichotomy that the horror people are insane but back to the earlier thing was i uh i grew up watching the movies and then when i first started writing stories of course i went right to the genre i started writing horror pieces i started writing little science fiction pieces and i was just always for whatever reason drawn to that to the scares and reading lovecraft reading poe reading the original masters and Finding out, I think uh, a lot of it was you. Uh, we grew up watching The Pit and the Pendulum and all the wonderful Hammer films, um, all the great British Vincent Price movies and the vampire movies, and then find out, oh wait, a lot of these were actually based on books, and this was based on that, and and you find out uh, the depth of the literature and how far back it goes, and that you know some are some are very literate and very smart, and others are just pure fun and chop people's heads off right and left. So that's that was the beginnings of my uh, my foray into horror. And then, as I said, I got into the horror business, both on the writing side and the movie side. I'm relatively new to the horror publishing side. Uh, Basically started in about 2010, 2011. I had actually wanted to be a publisher and a book editor for a long time, uh, but working in Hollywood took all of my professional uh, and all my time. Uh, and then I started getting the itch and I put some money aside and started studying and asking questions and had the original idea for the hell comes to Hollywood book, which as they always say, write, or in this case, edit and publish what you know. And I had known all of these horror writers and directors and all these people for all these years. So I started asking people, Hey, do you want to write a short story? And a lot of the screenwriters and producers were looking at me kind of crazy, like, wait a minute, we make movies, we don't write stories. And some of them I had to almost break their arm. And I remember one uh, terrific screenwriter was petrified at the thought of actually writing a real story and having to use grammar and quotation marks. Uh, And he turned out to write a terrific story, which he didn't need any help at all. He was a natural at it. So that was a lot of fun. And that's kind of where I got my feet wet with the book. And that was Hell Comes to Hollywood 1. And from that, obviously, went into Hell Comes to Hollywood 2. And I, I I learned a lot about editing and publishing myself, too. It turned out I'd done it about 95% right. And I learned a bit more on each book. And finally, all the way up to 18 Wheels of Horror, I, I actually, uh, as much as I loved the first two books, I think I finally got it even more right with 18 Wheels of Horror and really kind of went out of the ballpark with it.
0: One of the guests of the show, uh, the very first guest of this show she goes by the name Logos Pilgrim and uh, she just absolutely adores Robert England, uh, Freddy Krueger. And uh, again, she's into horror and she's one of the friendliest people I know. and she and she said that uh, Robert is an amazing, amazing guy. And uh, the same uh, I mean the same's true for uh, I mean, uh, Tim Chismar was also on the show. And uh, he does uh, some horror films as well. Um, he's been working uh, sort of in the B-film industry in uh, Hollywood. And uh, he, he just uh, he's really is just a great guy. So uh, I, I totally agree. Uh, as someone who, I guess I didn't really grow up in the horror genre, I was struck by that, I guess. There's different kinds of horror, too. When when I'm now re-exploring horror, I have, uh, you know, when I grew up, Um, there was the Freddy Krueger horror, which is just very gory and and lots of blood and and kind of uh, gross. And and I think I might be a little squeamish with that, but there's also sort of a psychological horror, which I guess I gravitate to more.
1: Actually, the Freddy Krueger stuff, is more imaginative i mean it's it's easy to see that if you're the more afraid of blood you are the more it, it easy it, it, the easier it is to focus on the blood mm-hmm. but if you actually go back and watch the friday the 13th movies and the freddy krueger you realize that there's some amazing imagination going on there wes craven and the whole team did an incredible job on those films i mean uh, the the killer in your dreams killing you in the real world and that affecting you Uh, But some of them are, uh, yes, there are pure slasher people out there. I'm not a giant fan of, they call the genre, torture porn um, with just gratuitous gore for gratuitous gore's sake. I'm personally not a fan of that, both in films and in writing. However, there are writers and filmmakers that pull it off so well. I mentioned uh, Jack Ketchum. Um, Jack Ketchum, often his books reach, uh, some people have described them as pornographic levels of violence. But Jack Ketchum's violence comes out of the story and out of the characters and is organic and ingrained into the story. And I can read that, and though I'm shocked by it, I greatly appreciate where it's coming from, and it's that much more meaningful. There are other writers of less skill that suddenly it's just wall-to-wall blood on the page, and I'm not interested. And the same thing is uh, there's some filmmakers that do the same thing, like Wes Craven was the master of that. And John Carpenter could make a terrific, you know, even though there's a bloody scene in the movie. look, look at how much gore there is in the thing for crying out loud. There's monster and alien gore left and right, but the thing is one of the most incredible horror films ever made, even though it's called science fiction. And if you do the blood and body count, holy crap, it's just wall-to-wall gore. Um, so I agree with you there that I'm not quite into all that as much. And I, I caution the writers. I say that whenever I do a story call is I always say that um, I don't want to read a dissection manual. Uh, Again, if gore and sex and and violent uh, things—not that sex is violent, but uh, terrible things happen in the story, if it comes out of the story and characters, I'll go all the way to the wall with it, and I'll love it with you. But there does seem to be a point with me, as I'm fond of saying— I had to ask actually ask a writer with this. I'll I'll let him uh, remain unnamed, but he knows who he is. Uh, his story went just a little too far for my taste in Eighteen Wheels of Horror, and I finally uh, he was he was he was fighting a little bit. And as an editor, I like to leave as much of the story intact as I can because I'm deeply appreciative of the writer and the writer's words. And as a writer myself, I don't like somebody coming in and saying, "Hey, don't write this." But the story did just go a little too far, and I knew my audience, uh, the truck driving world and other people, just wouldn't get it. So. I finally had a great idea. And I said, think of it this way. Your mother's going to read this story. (laughs) Do you want your mother to read that? And the answer after a brief pause was, well, you're right. And it turned so. And I look at it that way, too. My mom is going to read this. My mom is not a horror person, but. At the same time, she's going to read the book, and she's going to look at it. Hi, Mom. Love you. Uh, I know I still do these weird, crazy, little fun things, but, you know, it's as long as your mother can read it, I think you, you go to the level. But at the end of the day, we're making horror stories, and terrible, horrible things do happen in horror stories. So it really does come back to, are you telling a story or making a dissection manual? And the answer to me is, tell the damn story, and I'll go all the way to the bloody wall with you if you do that.
0: What I found is, in 18 Wheels of Horror, there's a lot of smarts behind the story, so again it's not just like uh, you know let's see how many you know internal organs we can rip off or we're gonna just peel the skin off for fun or, or whatever there there was a lot of great effect there there's there's a lot of great um, uh
1: feeling Tim chismar's story uh cargo um sheer imagination I love what he did with it and it's kind of hard to tell the story without giving any of it away but it's a real fourth wall breaker in that the character in the story is actually literally trapped inside my book and talking to the reader. So I don't want to say anything more than that. But um, uh, that's one thing that I love when I, in all three of the books, but especially in 18 Wheels of Horror, when I put out a call for stories on a common theme, the big worry is that, okay, I want trucking horror stories. And you're sitting back and waiting for the stories to come in and you're thinking, oh boy, I'm going to get How many versions of Christine as a truck am I going to get? The haunted truck running people down in the parking lot. turns out I got none of those, as as I'm usually very pleasantly surprised. And the sheer breadth of the imagination on the same theme always just makes me giggle. And I love what the writers do because, yes, there's a couple of similar stories. Uh, The book is actually bookended with two stories, uh, one by, as I mentioned before, Ray Garten. um, And then the other at the end is by a good friend named Jeff Seaman. And I bookended it because they were both terrific stories, but they were also both stories about a guy being more or less haunted by a voice coming out of the CB radio. They, they're they vastly different stories, but they have a very within the overall theme of trucking, they have a similar theme. So I thought it would be wonderful to open and close with that. And I'm glad that I did. And Jeff Seaman's story is terrific. Uh, we were talking earlier about... Uh, the isolation on the road um, and the the bubble that you get in and the, the, the world narrowing to the headlights in front of your eyes. And Jeff opens his story with a trucker who's been desperately trying to get home to his family. And the writing style, he just makes me feel like I'm in a truck with that trucker who's on his 37th hour of taking drugs and coffee and caffeine and staying awake and mile after mile going by. And the writing style in the story is just so in-your-face. It literally puts you in the seat of that truck as this guy rushes headlong into madness. So that's that's just the skill of a terrific writer pulling you and putting you into that wonderful world.
0: Do you have any current projects that you're working on uh, or any future projects?
1: I do. I'm currently uh, – I'm the world's slowest uh, publisher. So uh, I usually manage about a book a year or so at my current clip because I, I don't do it full-time. I do it as a side job. But uh, currently planning, uh, kind of in the loose planning stages of a not really a horror book, but there will be horror elements to it. Uh, my friend Brad Hodson and I, who's a, who has a story in 18 Wheels and uh, is a respected editor, um, uh, right currently he's edited the um, anthology Madhouse, which is getting terrific reviews right now. Brad and I are talking about doing an anthology on Vikings which would be uh, open open genre. It can be horror, science fiction, or whatever the heck, comedy, for whatever you want to do. But for whatever reason, he and I are both giant Viking fans. Uh, Plans beyond that, I actually want to expand the 18 Wheels of Horror series. Uh, The idea behind this is to do 18 Wheels of Science Fiction, 18 Wheels of Romance, 18 Wheels Out West. I want to keep straight at this trucking market and at the truckers and give them more and more stuff to read.
0: So again, the book is 18 Wheels of Horror, and it's edited by Eric Miller. Eric also has Hell Comes to Hollywood and Hell Comes to Hollywood 2. These are two books I'm going to have to pick up and read once I'm done reading 18 Wheels of Horror. Eric, thanks so much for being the show.
1: Well, really appreciate it. And I love helping spread the word because I've got some terrific writers. And I just love uh, uh, love when people find out about them and read the stories and have a good time along the way. And scare them a little bit, too.
0: Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you liked it. Remember, you can listen to this show and previous ones over at shareslicepodcast.com. You can find out more about Eric Miller, his horror story anthologies, which include 18 Wheels of Horror, Hell Comes to Hollywood, and Hell Comes to Hollywood 2 over at bigtimebooks.com. If you like this show, please go to iTunes and leave us a review and rating. An easy way to do this is to go to shareslicepodcast.com slash iTunes. This really, really helps the show and I would super appreciate it if you did. Intro and outro songs are by Chromatics Music. K-R-O-M-A-T-I-K-S. And they're used with permission. You can find them over at SoundCloud. You'll find links to the mid-episode adverts in the show notes. So thanks so much for listening, and I hope you'll be back next week.